as a culture, we just really say light emotions, pleasurable emotions are all that there is. And these darker, heavier, more painful emotions are either a sign of mental illness or to be avoided at all costs because you're going to die if you experience them. And that is definitely the model that I have been working with. It's cultural kind of messaging that we always experience. And now sometimes I genuinely, in in times of feeling really light and spacious, sometimes I actually don't feel as connected to myself. Mm-hmm. It's actually in those darker times that I feel just so connected with myself and with something higher that it can almost be missed. It's funny for me to say that because I think I spent the first 40 years just trying to grab the light. I know, right? It's like, it's really interesting. I mean, you know, I know I've been kind of exploring the other side as well. Like, you know, I, I feel comfortable with darkness and I can embrace darkness, but how do I also embrace joy? Right. How do I, like, I feel like, you know, I'm good at the low end. Like I want to experience more of the high end and embracing that as well. If you know there is something deep inside of you that is yearning to be seen, to be known, and to have expression, if there's something you need to reclaim and remember, maybe it's your power, your purpose, your gifts, this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Reclaiming Ourselves. I'm your host, Sonia Statman, and I'm honored to have three amazing co-hosts Laura Shook Guzman, Belinda Hahn, and Emily Sikorsi here with me on this journey to self-discovery. Every week, we're going to help you unravel and remember what it means to reclaim yourself, to own who you are, to recognize your innate worth and greatness. Now, this podcast is a deep dive into self-development, healing, and empowerment. So hold on. Here we go. Just a quick note before we dive into today's episode. These initial episodes are introduction episodes. One of the reasons I chose to have co-hosts instead of guests was to give you the opportunity to get to know us and to spend the topic episodes talking about the topics. So today's special episode is a deep dive into one of the co-host stories. It's going to give you context for why we are here and what we have to contribute this season. Enjoy getting to know us. Thank you for listening. And if you want to learn more, be sure to visit reclaimingourselvespodcast.com. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Reclaiming Ourselves. I'm so excited because we get this opportunity today to meet one of our other co-hosts. These pre-episodes are going to be so amazing because we can really dive deep on each person you're listening to every week. So today we get to meet Belinda Hahn. Hey, Belinda, I'm so glad you're here. Hey, Sonia, so amazing to be here. Yay. Well, you know, I've had some really great conversations so far with the co-hosts. Laura did an introduction with me, which was, you know, different because I'm used to being the one to ask the questions, but it was really good. And I feel like this is such a great opportunity for us to get to know you. And so one of the things I always just love to start with is the basics, right? People want to know, where do you live? Do you have kids? You know, do you have a partner? So tell us a little bit of sort of the basics of where you are. Yes, yes. Well, I live in Kingscliff, which is on the east coast of Australia, Um, a small, pretty small town, beautiful place that I've been living for nearly 10 years now. And I've got two kids, so a daughter who's 12 and son who's nine. And I'm married to Ben, gorgeous hubby. I think we've been married for more than 15 years now. Oh, it's amazing. You guys are amazing. He is he is a gorgeous <laughs> hubby for sure. He is absolutely gorgeous. I love it. And your kids, like, wow. So you're in those tween years, right? Yes. Yes. And we just got back from two months in Italy together, um, the four of us. And it was just amazing. It was just so, such beautiful perfect age, quality time. So yeah, I'm just in, basking in the glow of that <laughs> at the moment. That sounds so amazing. And so tell us a little bit about why you chose to go to Italy. Well, why Italy and also why two months away? Yeah, well, we have a real affiliation with Italy, um, not 
from a family perspective, but just love everything about Italy. And we actually took the kids when my youngest was only four months old and Indy was two and a half. And we had two months at that time to Italy. And so going back now with the kids older, obviously it was way easier. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we just, we originally were going to go for six months and then three months. And then we just decided that two months was probably the limit for the kids because they're really interested in their friends and everything now. So Yeah, it was just wonderful. The food, the culture, the views, the, you know, it was just amazing to immerse ourselves in that for a couple of months. It just feels like it was a total reset after the last couple of years of lots of challenges. Yeah, 100%. And that's amazing. I mean, I think that's such a good bonding experience. Like it's an experience all of you will have for like the rest of your lives, right? It's it's one of those reference point experiences, right? That you kind of come back to or a feeling you want to achieve again. I think that's so important when kids are young. Yes, absolutely. And just a reminder of of the value of novelty and mixing things up as well has just been so valuable for all of us actually. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. Yay. (laughs) All right. So we kind of have the basics of where you're from and who you are. Maybe tell us a few things that describe you. Like sometimes I like to ask the question, give us two to three adjectives that might describe you just so we can get a little bit of a picture. Yes. Okay. So definitely sensitive slash empathetic, um, enthusiastic, Mm. And creative. Creative is a word that I've been reclaiming, actually, in terms of an adjective for me. Beautiful. <laughs> and so tell us a little bit about the empathic and sensitive, right? I think it's interesting because I think all of the co-hosts have used that reference point a little bit. We're all sort of sensitive or empathic. What does that mean to you? So, you know, this has been a part of me that I've actually had to reclaim. And I I remember walking along on a beach on a holiday once realizing that it was, it was just a fact that I'm sensitive and empathetic and all the ways that I've kind of tried to make that not true (laughs) because I just have had this idea that I wanted to be really unfazed (laughs) by things and just be able to go with the flow and just be really strong and resilient. And then I realized that I'm actually someone just who is phased by things and that that actually means that, you know, I feel things deeply and that is actually a gift. And and I've had to learn ways to be able to not feel flooded by all of that and, you know, being able to be with people and not taking on so much of their stuff. That's, you know, a work in progress, I think, possibly of a lifetime. But I feel like it's it's sort of the gifts are in being able to connect with others and being able to be sort of naturally compassionate with different people and different circumstances. And I guess intuitively flowing with what feels right as well and connecting more deeply with yourself. So yeah, it's been a journey actually being able to see the strengths and gifts of it because I think I was just resisting it so much in myself, this this essential part of me. Yeah, it's amazing how much the world, it's almost like swimming upstream to embrace your sort of sensitive or empathic nature. It's like, you know, we're going against the grain, which tells us to shut it off and suppress yes. it and hold it down. And, you know, I find that so interesting you know, as I feel a lot of people are embracing this part of themselves right now and trying to understand it. I mean, I do a lot of work on emotional intelligence and this is a core component of it, right? Yes. Being able to kind of embrace this part of ourselves. Yes. Yes. And it's kind of like countercultural as well, because there's so much, so much in the culture that tells us we've got to really push ourselves really hard and just toughen up and all of that, that just can, you know, all of those messages can be embodied that there's something wrong with me for not being able to handle pushing myself all the time. And, you know, so that, that's, it really does take a lot of inner work to sort of allow and accept that we don't have to be that way. And being that way that the culture tells us we should be is not really, for our highest good. Yeah, I would love 
to hear more about your experience with that, right? Like one of the things that I want to ask you today anyway is like, what are some pivotal kind of points in your life that, you know, really kind of changed you, helped you remember who you are, helped you reclaim parts of yourself? And I feel like that piece that you just mentioned, like recognizing and embracing who you are in the pace that you need and letting go of the striving and the running after and the, you know, tell us a little bit more about that experience because I feel like so many people are having that right now and they still feel so much guilt or struggle or conflict around it. You know, what was your experience with that? Yes, well, I think like you, I've been in really interested in personal and spiritual development since my early 20s. I think you might top me because I think you, you were nine when you bought your first <laughs> personal development book, which I love. <laughs> So, I, you know, it's not new to me, personal and spiritual growth, but I guess when I turned 40, you know, I just had a total unraveling. And I think that that was really, I just felt so much intense dissatisfaction within me and with my life. And it just felt so confusing because on paper, I had everything. Mm-hmm. You know, every external measure, you could just tick, 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 tick. But internally, I just felt just so sort of empty and, you know, and I just, all of the different patterns that I was, that I'd always engaged in, like people pleasing and overworking and pushing myself to the limit and not taking care of myself and all the self-criticism, like intense self-criticism over the years, I think it just came to a head where I could no longer tolerate that way of being and always just thinking about other people, just so focused on external validation and not internal validation and just so dissatisfied that I just kept going through the same, trying to fix these things and nothing working, if you like. And having that unraveling, I just, I decided I was going to take six months off for spiritual growth. And it was just so wonderful to just create space for myself. And so lucky that I was able to do that. And that just allowed me to be with myself really for the first time, probably ever that wasn't pushing, you know, distracting myself with work Mm or family or whatever. Um, and so that allowed me to sort of uncover some of these core beliefs that were running and back to your, your question about empathetic, sensitive journey. You know, one of my core beliefs was I'm crazy because as a child, I was, I remember being so overwhelmed by emotion and feeling deeply the suffering of the world And I couldn't see, and back then no one talked about emotions or, you know, that, that just wasn't that our generation wasn't, that wasn't part of the the conversation. And so I couldn't see anyone else around me struggling like me. So I kind of had this in my childlike mind was just came to the conclusion that I was crazy and that there was something really wrong with me. And I think that that from that that place, I then intelligently came up with all of these ways of making that not be true through people pleasing. And I just had really a gift in being able to work out what people needed (laughs) and, you know, being able to Uh sort of contort myself to make sure that I was really making everyone happy. (laughs) And then I also went into achievement, like, you know, going, getting masters and all this sort of stuff to, you know, try to fill the holes that I felt inside, which was really, um, yeah, through a lot of distraction, a lot of kind of avoidance. And of course, you know, that was a really great strategy because what else could I do, especially as a child? So I really had to just go within and really uncover what these core beliefs were running and also the behaviors and everything that I was doing to kind of avoid that. And, that sort of took me on a massive journey, you know, including training as a mindfulness teacher and and then having some beautiful experiences amongst all the pain of the deep inner work and uncovering, which, you know, that it absolutely was painful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd then have all these spacious moments of just total connection with myself and with the world in a just profoundly 
like mind-altering kind of way without any mind-altering substances. <laughs> just, yeah, just a deep feeling and experience of my wholeness and perfection, regardless of all of these coverings that I had that I had over the, this truth. And so because I had those experiences, I was able to sort of tap into that. And then, I mean, my journey really since then has been sort of navigating that whole forgetting and remembering. And I know we're going to do an episode on that, but mm-hmm. I think once I un- uncovered this wholeness within me, I wanted to stay there yes. 100% of the time. Yes, and- please. <laughs> Can I just stay in this like spacious, like where you just feel like nothing is a problem and you're just naturally values aligned and loving and compassionate and all of that. So I just then took my type A kind of like, I'm going to be the best spiritual person there is. (laughs) Yeah. How did that go? How did that go, Belinda? (laughs) Well, the type A personality is really kind of like the opposite of like... instead of striving it's about surrendering and yeah Yeah. so so that that has been part of the journey as well and I think I just have been just amazed that you sort of think okay you know I know what my inner critic sounds like I know the words that come out and I know that they're not true it's just all words and everything and then I just get hooked by it again Mm. and possessed by it and I think yes and then I think, what's wrong with me? I've done all this work and why is this coming up again? And so that that has been my, my journey really since turning 40 and I'm nearly 44 has been just being able to allow whatever is present to be present. And that includes self-criticism, mm-hmm. you know, like actually befriending that mm-hmm. part of me because it's actually like kind of giving up hope that it's ever going to go. It's always going to be with me, but I can look at it and build compassion for myself as I'm experiencing inner critic attacks, which is what I, I call it sometimes, just feeling possessed by by that. So that's a pretty long answer to your, yeah. to your question. Uh, I love it. There's like so many threads I want to pull on that. I mean, first of all, I love how you talked about it as an unraveling, right? I really yeah. resonate and love that word, right? Sometimes we talk about it as a crisis or a breakdown or, um, you know, a major life happening or whatever, but it's, it is an unraveling and that's a really important piece. We're unraveling to our core self, to our authentic self, you know, where we're reclaiming what we are and we're having to unravel what is not us and so I love I love that you said that and and I think that's a really important piece one of the other things I want to kind of touch on or pull out of what you said too is that everything like so many of us have reached this place where everything on paper is like good right you know we we check the boxes we we have a partner and we have kids we have a business you know whatever it is that we kind of check that place I think a lot of people out there feel like they've you know really strived in their life for all those things and they're checking those boxes and yet inside they feel dissatisfied and I think, you know, that it's like then we often deny that in ourselves. We diminish that in ourselves. And I think that's really important to acknowledge in what you did that, that like, no, this is truth. What I feel, not just because of what I should feel based on all these check marks. And I think a lot of people can resonate with that feeling. Yes, yes. And I think um, when the dissatisfaction becomes so intense and painful, you know, we've got a choice. (laughs) Just keep just distracting and doing all the things, which is what I, you know, have done many, many, many and continue to do many, many, many times. Or just actually just feeling into what actually is present and what's what's underneath what's underneath it all as well and you know i think that at times now that i you know i've been through so many cycles of expansion and contraction expansion and contraction that i know that at the moment of being on your knees with despair mm-hmm. is like the gold is just around the corner you know yes. it's just I, I kind of welcome despair now. I'm like, yes, I'm really close to <laughs> to removing another another layer of the onion 
that's when I know when I'm at on my knees in despair, that's when I know now I used to be scared of that, of course, because mm-hmm. it's not a great feeling. But when you've been there enough and realized that the fruit is just ready and ripe for picking after that moment, that's sort of, yeah, it's when you can really welcome that darkness and despair because you're close. Yes, I love that. And I think too many people stop at that point or distract themselves at that point or avoid that point. And it's like all the goodness is just beyond. There's, you know, I, it, it reminds me of childbirth, right? Like, yes, like, that's what I was thinking that, too. Yeah, it's like that threshold when you get to that moment. If you haven't had a child yet, or don't plan on having a child, you get to this moment where you like, you literally think you can't do it. Like, it's, yeah. it's like there's something I'm gonna in die. you that's <laughs> like, yeah, I can't, I can't do anymore. And it's like that's right at the moment when the birth is happening. And yes, you know, it's the same. It's the rebirth of our it's the rebirth of you know the light it's all of these beautiful things that are just beyond that darkness yes yes and and yet as a culture we just really say light emotions pleasurable emotions are all that there is and these darker heavier more painful emotions are either a sign of mental illness or to be avoided at all costs because you're going to die if you experience them. And that is definitely the model that I have been working with. It's cultural kind of messaging that we always experience. And now sometimes I genuinely, in in times of feeling really light and spacious, sometimes I actually don't feel as connected to myself. It's actually in those darker times Mm -hmm. that I feel just so connected with myself and with something higher that it can almost be missed. It's funny for me to say that because I think I spent the first 40 years just trying to grab the light. I know, right? It's like, it's really interesting. I mean, you know, I know I've been kind of exploring the other side as well. Like, you know, I, I feel comfortable with darkness and I can embrace darkness, but how do I also embrace joy? Right. How do I, like, I feel like, you know, I'm good at the low end. Like I want to experience more of the high end and embracing that as well. Um, Have you experienced something like that too? Yes. Yes. Well, it's just the last couple of months in Italy has really reacquainted me with joy again. Joy and awe has been, you know, those emotions have been very few and far between in the last few years. And I'm sure that that is just a general expression of, of society. We've had such a rough, everyone individually and collectively has had such a rough few years. And I think perhaps without really shifting things up, and I don't think I necessarily needed to go to Italy for this, but just really, really changing up my routine and really looking for joy and marinating in joy that has been really amazing because I feel like before that I was in some ways just so deep in my own process that I couldn't also see how much joy there is and you know how much joy is already within me regardless of what my external circumstances are so it's just been so wonderful and such a privilege to kind of marinate in that for a couple of months love that I love that Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. All right. So I want to take a little bit of a pivot or a turn and I want you to share a little bit of your journey. I mean, a lot of people want to know kind of what is your background? What, you know, what is your career work life look like? So let's kind of get through the basics of what that journey has been and then we can talk a little deeper. Yeah, sure. So for, for 20 years, I worked in financial services in sort of HR and then also leadership development, organizational development roles. And that was in Australia and also the UK and New York as well. So kind of global financial services career, doing mostly people development. And then when I moved to Kingscliff, obviously, you know, there was no option for that, but I I had always had a plan to exit corporate because it just, (laughs) like, I feel like I'm actually recovering from my experience of working in corporate, which was not at all aligned to 
supporting my thriving. I was definitely swimming against the um the current there. Mm-hmm. And and then so whilst I was at corporate, I was studying a master's of science in coaching psychology with the view that I was going to have my own business and as a coach. And so that's what I started doing 10 years ago. And had the privilege of working all over the world with executives and leaders on their personal development and professional development as well. And then coinciding with this 40, 40, turning 40, and I was really just sort of feeling into that that part of my career was over, the corporate work. And so just started a mother's group. I just really felt Mm -hmm. to support mothers that was just coming up for me and my own motherhood journey was so challenging you know and and in different ways continues to be I think it sort of ebbs and flows but certainly the first year was so challenging the most challenge I've ever been in my life and so I thought I had a terrible experience with the mothers group so I decided I'm just going to put an event right out there and using my group coaching and what I what I knew about well-being because I was also um, coaching and well-being just started a mother's group but I had the rule that it was 100% focused on them mm-hmm. they weren't allowed to talk about their baby <laughs> yes I love that and and that was just a wonderful experience and 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 did that for for a number of years and continue to do that in not not as as frequently as as, as I used to and then I also trained as a mindfulness teacher as well so bringing my love of contemplative wisdom and sort of aligning that with my work as well because I'd had 20 years or more of interest in that and then also training as a women's circle facilitator So, and that has just been so beautiful to sort of create this sacred space for women. It's just the most magical and heart-opening experience to be able to sit in circle with women and share authentically. It's so countercultural and so nourishing for the heart. So that has just been amazing. And and then for, for this year, I've been studying at Stanford University Applied Compassion with the intention of like finally building compassion for myself because I had been teaching self-compassion but really, you know, secretly just could thought that I was exempt (laughs) from that. So my intention for this course was to build compassion for myself and also as part of the course we've got to create a capstone project that alleviates suffering in a community of our choice and I loved the idea of doing that and so I've chosen mothers and I'm doing a a product which is the first time I've done that I just wanted something with roots something physical so it's going to be a card deck to support mothers when they're having a rough day I love that. So beautiful. I love that you're doing applied compassion, right? Like, you know, I also teach a lot about compassion. I feel like I'm a compassionate person, but, you know, it's always practice, right? It's always practicing. And that self-compassion actually has to come first. Every opening of self-compassion creates this like automatic outflow of compassion for others too. Yes, yes. And I've realized that through building my own compassion that it really just opens the door to everything, you know, and I really challenged myself when I signed up to the course. Am I doing what I do and looking for certifications from really amazing places to therefore be qualified? (laughs) And I thought, am I looking for a certificate in being nice? (laughs) Yeah. I just, I just felt in my body that even though there wasn't a lot of rational reasons for doing it, that I really wanted to do it. And through, through the, the experience, I've really, I can really say I'm embodying compassion in such a meaningful way. And that has opened up so much within me in terms of being able to live more purposely and consciously and connect more with my wholeness because I just had such intense self-criticism, you know, just as a constant companion. Yeah. I mean, that's so interesting to to look at. I love the way you said kind of that embodying it, 
right? Because I think a lot of us feel like we have compassion for others, or we maybe even have some compassion for ourselves, but embodying compassion is different, right? Yes. And so if you were to describe what it feels like versus like the concept of compassion, yes. what, what would you say in being embodied in compassion feels like? It's a great question. It, it just feels like space, internal mm. space to live, live your life aligned to your values. Like, and, and, and also importantly, when you are not aligned to your values or you are hooked by something that you can more easily navigate back to yourself mm. because I feel like I've wasted like in in so much time judging myself so fiercely about every little mistake and and a hyper vigilance for any possible mistake and in a way the more that I learned the more <laughs> mistakes I could see that I was making whereas compassion just allows me to see that I've got strengths, I've got development areas, so does everyone else. Like there's no one perfect. And that if I turn towards myself in those moments of suffering with compassion, I can I can learn from those mistakes. I can just much more easily be present with with who I'm with and myself and with life. So yeah, it's just been an amazing experience. I think that is so important and so beautiful. And when you said it, when you had that kind of, you know, explanation, what I really heard was like, it's almost the absence of pressure. I don't know. Would you say that? Like, it's like when you said, when you said space, what I felt was like, ooh, I've never kind of connected that dots, but self-compassion is like the absence of pressure. It is the absence of pressure. And I tell you what, I have lived my life in a self-imposed pressure cooker. Absolutely. Everything that I have done has come with pressure, like motherhood. I needed to be the best mother. And then I was hypervigilantly assessing myself about how crap I was and all every single thing that I've done has had so much pressure. And this year has been the first year I was just talking to my mentor actually at Stanford. And I was saying that this year has just been a new, a complete paradigm shift in how I work which is from joy and space and love, which I know sounds so corny, but it's the absence of pressure. And I have never, ever done work without pressure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it is just, it means that I just feel like I'm more connected to my heart and rather than just being constantly fueled by anxiety, really. I love that. So beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. I think mm -hmm. it's really given me kind of a new feeling sense of what that feels like, right? Because we're so conditioned with pressure, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Beautiful. So that gives us a little story of your, you know, kind of your career and your history. What would you say? I mean, you know, in, and you don't have to have a concrete answer for this because I think it's we're always under development of this question and we're always kind of exploring and we have different seasons of it as well. But, you know, what would you say is your life's work or maybe like a core tenant of sort of what you're here to give or do? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So when you spoke to me about this podcast, I just felt a whole body resonance with it because what this podcast is about is really what my work is. It's so perfectly aligned because mm -hmm. I think I've been, you know, I've been a self-help junkie my whole life and trying to do all the things and look for the silver bullets and everything, you know, really putting a lot of striving into fixing myself and finding the solution and all of that kind of thing. And where I'm, where I'm at now is that it's really uncovering and coming back home to ourselves. And so that I, I really feel like, you know, it's maybe not a concrete answer, but creating the conditions either through one-on-ones or intimate group kind of scenarios or through card deck or, you know, there's lots of creative modalities, I guess, that I engage in 
But really at the core of it, it is about coming home to ourselves and to our true nature and and really um, looking at what are the coverings that we need to remove to be able to access that. And I guess one of the things that I really love is holding space, holding space in groups and individually for people to be able to access that, you know, be able Mm -hmm. to access their true nature and also be able to create more self-knowledge and wisdom embodiment around what are the, the barriers as well. And there's a beautiful Rumi quote that says, it's not my purpose to seek love. It's to seek the patterns, barriers, and beliefs that stop love from flowing in. And I feel like that is my journey and it's also my purpose too. Like they're actually very interconnected. And I think because I've experienced so much self-criticism and shame and I know that what what life is like when that is is your sort of reality and so I've got a special interest in that, I guess, and, and special interest particularly for sensitive women that have that kind of punishing energy <laughs> that they're having to experience because I think that that's a whole whole thing in, it, in itself to build that compassion and space to be able to come home. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. I mean, you know, this is exactly why I thought you'd be such a, a beautiful piece of this podcast because I know that you're living this this practice, right? Because it's a practice. It's a constant practice. And, you know, I know that you're really embodying it and living it and playing with it and experiencing it and struggling with it and like, you know, and and I think that's, that's the benefit all of us are kind of bringing to this podcast is we don't have all the answers, you know, we, but we're actively working with this. We're actively reclaiming pieces of ourselves. We're actively helping other people reclaim pieces of themselves. And it's this crazy journey that we can share. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And it's, yeah, it's not perfect. It's not linear, you know, Mm -hmm. it's messy and complex and, And also just so worth it too. (laughs) So worth it. I would not trade a single experience that I've had in my life. All the tragedy, all the challenge, all of it has brought me to who I am, to the insights I've had. And, you know, I think, yeah, I wouldn't trade any of it. All right. So love hearing a little bit about your purpose and life's work. I think that's so beautiful. And, you know, it gives us kind of this insight into why you're here and, you know, what we're going to talk about. Um, and so maybe tell us a little bit about that. What What are you going to talk about this season? What do you want to bring to the table this season? Because I want to give people a little teaser of what, of what we're going to be exploring. Yes. Yes. Love to. So, Grounded spirituality is one of the one of the topics and I'm really excited about this one because I think there's there's so many people that are really seeking more inner connection and even connection to something bigger than themselves, but don't necessarily know where to start or you know, maybe they've got a little bit of cynicism, which I definitely have had in my journey as well around spirituality and that sort of thing. So what I'd really love to talk about in, in grounded spirituality is how, how spirituality and the, and, you know, the context of spirituality can be really a beautiful container for us to reclaim ourselves. So talking about, you know, building skills around mindful awareness and compassion and also understanding who we are and what's important to us and taking steps towards values aligned action and building our own wisdom. I think that those sort of four ingredients can really go a long way for us to be able to reclaim ourselves and live a really rich and fulfilling, meaningful life. Yeah, I love that. So that's that's that episode. Yeah. And it, what I love about it too is that we're going to kind of unpack and explore what spirituality means, right? Like there's, it's this word we throw out and lots of people say it and, you know, but but what does it mean? Like, and then to be grounded in it, what does yes. that mean? Like, I think it's going to be really fun to kind of explore yeah. a different perspective around that and unpack that too. 
Yes. Yeah. And I think because I've got the science background and slightly cynical, I think that that's part of what I can bring to that conversation. I think, um, yeah, so that's, (laughs) so that's that one. And then there's a self abandonment one, which, you know, I know what this is like. (laughs) And I think it's probably been my biggest uncovering and continually, my biggest uncovering. And so I'd really, I really feel like this is one of the biggest barriers to reclaiming ourselves is the ways that we do abandon ourselves. And, and that's from a, like, I'm interested to talk about it from a biological, psychological, social, spiritual lens, because I think there's a number of factors that play into that. It's a complex kind of undertaking that I'm just, I, I'm so embodied in what that feels like to abandon yourself. And, and yeah, so I'm really excited to sort of look at that. And obviously self-criticism and shame will be a big part of that conversation. Yes. I love that. And people pleasing and all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the final is forgetting and remembering. And this is, I think this will be really fun because I I feel like as a seeker, I have just been looking for the silver bullet, as I mentioned earlier, to just be blissed out and spacious constantly and full of gratitude and all of that. But I've realized what a just non-linear journey awakening is and becoming more conscious is. And it is really that contraction and expansion, forgetting and remembering and just putting a little, putting some more words and awareness around that, because I think that there's not a lot talked about mm-hmm. in, in the personal development, spiritual development journey about that. And I think that that creates a lot of shame for people because as they become more aware, they're, they're also more aware of all the ways that they're mindless and disconnected and all of that. And so that in itself can be a real barrier, the ways that we judge ourselves on how we're progressing in the spiritual development journey or personal development journey. Yeah. And I think until you've had a lot of, you know, kind of like you were talking about earlier, until you've like had a lot of kind of these cycles, right? Cycles of, you know, growth and darkness and light and like, you know, it takes a while to recognize, oh, this is normal. (laughs) This is like, this is the way, right? This This is is the path. (laughs) Yes. Like, otherwise, yeah, you, you think, oh, you you get this inside and you're like, ooh, that's it. I'm yeah. worthy now, right? Like you, you feel like you're, worthy, you're like, I'm worthy now. And then all of a sudden, a little while later, yeah. I love the way you described it earlier where you said, you know, you get hooked and then yeah. you forget, you forget. Yes. Wait, you forget you're worthy. You forget that you're strong. You forget that it's okay to make mistakes. You forget. You, it's like, and then you have to go through this whole process of remembering and then you forget again. Yes. And then I think when you forget and you become more aware, there's a certain amount of panic that happens. Like, am I never going to be able to get? And and also, like, I've tried every trick to get back to remembering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, just the good kind of striver that I am. And actually, it's as soon as you give up, <laughs> then that's when that happens. <laughs> I know, right? It's like, no matter how much will you use, no matter yes. how much brain power you use, how much you calculate, how much you plan, it's like, yeah, it's when you finally just don't care anymore about achieving it. Don't don't yeah. seek it. Don't look for it. It's like, then, then it's right there. <laughs> oh, you wouldn't believe the lavish illustrations and mind maps I've done to remember just thinking that it's an intellectual exercise (laughs) I love it I love it it's gonna be so it's gonna be so good to unpack and talk about I think how the mind gets in the way right like yeah you know in what ways where we bring on all these beautiful mind powers like I'm not one to dismiss the power of the mind and its place in things you know just like our ego our ego has a place it's not a bad thing but it's like when we when we let that rule you know it's just it it operates it's in an area it does not belong. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. 
Okay, well, that's beautiful. And I'm so excited. I'm really thankful you're here. I'm super excited for the journey we're going to have. And I've been loving kind of ending these, you know, meet the co-host episodes with a little bit of a rapid fire question. Okay. Time, right? <laughs> so, so you know, we're going to, we took it down deep and now we're going to bring it up a little bit into the lighter realm. But, you know, tell us a little bit about your favorite books. Now, I know this is going to be hard for you. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but maybe just a few of your favorite books. Of the thousand books I've read. <laughs> okay. So how many can I choose? I don't know. Like four or five is fine. Okay. So Belonging Here by Judith Blackstone, mm. which I think the subline for that is something like something about being spiritually sensitive. I'm like, yep, sign me up. That is me. Mm. And when I read this book, I just thought that it just felt so validating to to be that someone has written a book about you. (laughs) And so that kind of blew up that I'm, I'm crazy kind of, that was the start of just blowing, blowing up some of those beliefs. And I really think books are so powerful in being able to really shift things. And then, Oh, I've recently read a book this year called the extraordinary power of being ordinary. And Mm. I think that a lot of people would never pick up that book because like, it's so countercultural. like you've got to just do all this stuff and be famous and all of that. And this book, again, I just felt totally seen and just really, it just helped me to become really grounded in what my purpose is, because I think I was just under the belief or, or illusion or just signed up to cultural messaging that I needed to do something really big in the world. I needed to change the world and all of that. And like that as a sensitive person was just like, oh my God, that just seems too hard. And how am I going to be able to do that? So this just, I just feel so grounded in actually just living an ordinary life. And that if I can just be present and loving as much as possible, then that's really more meaningful than, you know, having some kind of successful, you know, in inverted commas business that, that feels more meaningful to me. And Probably the other book that has really changed me as well is called Motherhood Facing and Finding Ourselves by Lisa Marciano. And it's a deep book. Um, It's by a Jungian analyst. And so it's just really deep look at motherhood and the illusions of motherhood and the places that we go to Mm. in motherhood, including all of those seemingly socially unacceptable thoughts and behaviors that we engage in because motherhood pushes us to our limits. So it just uncovers a lot of those illusions and it was very, very healing for me to, to read that book. So they're, they're, there's a, a a few of the many I books. I love it. I'm like, I'm going to go out. I'm, I'm just going every, everybody I've asked, I'm like, ooh, I'm just going to write down their list. Add it to your wish list. Add it to my <laughs> wish list. I love it. Add it to my day in bed when I want to read all day. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Okay. Awesome. So how about favorite music? What do you favorite love? Favorite music. Oh, well, I'm, I'm pretty stuck in the eighties and nineties, <laughs> but mm. But I got I got a notification from Spotify about a year ago to say that I was in the top one percent of listeners for Dear Evan Hansen soundtrack, which is which I think that maybe that might be my favorite album. If Spotify is recognizing me, and that because it was just like I went with my best friends to New York for our fortieth, and we went and saw this musical Dear Evan Hansen, and I have never been so moved by any experience than watching that and I maybe because I wasn't sure what to expect but I would there was a lot of ugly crying <laughs> that <Aww>. was happening <laughs> but not I just for that. me the whole mm. audience and so the music just really moves me so oh I love it so beautiful okay awesome <laughs> and then how about favorite tv shows oh shit's creek <laughs> yeah oh I just love every single character it is just (laughs) so amazing like I Ben and I watched the first few episodes and and really didn't like it 
And then it won all these awards, and so we thought, oh, we should give it another go. And I've watched the whole the whole series maybe three or four times. It's just so heartwarming and just, yeah, the characters are just amazing. Okay, because I'll have, maybe have to give it another try because I did that as well where I watched yeah. an episode or two and I was like, nah, I can't get into this. You have to get through the first season and then you're gold. It's just solid gold after that. I love that. It's beautiful. Okay, favorite foods. Favorite foods? Well, I would have said Italian, but I am so sick of Italian food. <laughs> and, well, Mexican, I do love Mexican, and I love a Thai as well. So, yeah, lots of lots of different foods. My three favorites do. Okay, last question, last rapid fire question. Favorite indulgence? Well, going on retreat is probably – I just mm. – love it like I love especially now that I've done a lot of sort of inner work and kind of can see things a bit more clearly having having retreat solitude is just like the most delicious thing ever like I went to the blue mountains a couple of months ago on a writing retreat for these compassion cards on my own and it was just like the best thing ever oh my god I was like oh I can just only imagine I mean this it's the it's the solitude right it's the space yes and that's what I need because I think I'm quite outgoing and love people and all that sort of thing so I, I just have realized I need to have that solitude as well to be able to refill to be able to be that person as well Beautiful. Thank you so much for all that you share with us today. And I mean, anything you'd like to share with the audience and the listeners or any final thoughts you have before we kind of wrap up this wonderful episode? I'm just, yeah, I'm really excited. And I think, you know, actually even saying yes to this podcast has been a personal development journey for me because <laughs> all of the stuff comes up, you know, all the unworthy stories, imposter syndrome and all of that all comes up. And I realize that every that may always be with me, but just mm. taking one step in front, you know, in front of the other has just been really useful. And so, yeah, I really, I'm just so excited to be part of this journey with you and the other beautiful women. And yeah, it's just going to be amazing. It truly is. All right. Thank you so much, Belinda, for being here. Thank you to all the listeners for being here and we will see you next week. hope you enjoyed the show if you want to learn more about this topic head over to belindahan.com you can sign up for my newsletter to be the first to find out about my classes and events have an amazing day and we'll see you next time Ta-da!